you are listening to Dear Parliament with Rob Hutchinson. Because democracy doesn't just happen. And welcome back to 101.9 Chai FM. I'm chatting today about a few controversial topics, but mainly one. And there's a piece of legislation that is out for, out for public comment on various platforms. You can go to dsouthafrica.co.za to have your say on the Cannabis for Private Purposes Bill. Now, a lot of people uh, believe cannabis should be, uh, should be legalized and should have been done so a long time ago for various reasons, medicinal and economic. And a lot of people disagree. So chatting us to us today is uh, Gabriel Cross from the Institute of Race Relations. How are you doing, Gabriel? Very well, Rob. Thank you so much for having me. Good to be here. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. And <laughs> remember, we only have 40 minutes today, so let's back everything in. <laughs> All right. I'll try to be brief. <laughs> Any of our listeners who have listened to Gabriel before knows he's a chatterbox. So <laughs> Indeed. Guilt is charged. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that at all. So, Gabriel, maybe give us a bit of background on, on this uh, bit of legislation, Cannabis for Private Use, uh, Private Purposes book. Great. So, um, I mean... I, I was born in 89. I was a teenager in the in the 2000s and weed was thoroughly illegal, dacha or cannabis or marijuana, whatever you want to call it, that somehow didn't seem to get in the way of anyone who wanted to smoke a joint being able to smoke a joint. It seemed that every petrol station and uh, every second car guard had a ready supply. But nevertheless, there were these laws saying that it's a, it's a criminal act to possess even a tiny amount or consume a tiny amount or sell or procure. And that seemed to be difficult law to understand in some senses. Very hard drugs are a completely different story and, and the abuse of cannabis is, uh, is a very terrible thing. But consuming it in small amounts as a 19-year-old at university uh, it just doesn't seem it, it doesn't seem like there's good medical evidence to say that that that's particularly harmful. In fact, that it's harmful at all, or or that if it is harmful, it's any different to drinking coffee, or or, or having a, a drink of alcohol, uh, or smoking a cigarette for that matter, which is which is pretty much harmful from the first go. So that's sort of medical background which was brought before the Western Cape High Court in 2017, which found. Uh, in a in a bunch of cases that were lumped together, that the laws prohibiting the purchase, the cultivation, and the possession and the consumption of, of cannabis, that those laws are just invalid, that they're inconsistent with the Constitution. The Constitution, the right to privacy, Section 14, basically says, you know, if you're doing it privately, if you're doing it in your own home, then it's, and you're not harming anyone else, it's kind of your own business. Uh, people have got to be allowed to make their own mistakes or make their own have their own entertainments or amusements, and the state can't be trying to control everybody all the time. That argument was then taken forward to the Constitutional Court, which basically upheld everything that the High Court said, excepting that the Constitutional Court stopped short of uh, legalizing the trade. So they decriminalized the cultivation and the possession. But they sort of left it as an open question about whether you can still buy or sell marijuana. In fact, they, they left the law in place. Uh, and effectively, they didn't decide the matter one way or another on my reading because they said the high court didn't hand up reasons that you should be allowed to purchase 
or sell marijuana. They just handed up reasons why you should be able to use it. <laughs> so funny. this puts us in a very strange place, Rob, yeah. where you're allowed to grow it and you're allowed to smoke it, but you're not allowed to buy it and you're not allowed to sell it. In terms of law, it's very unusual to not be allowed to do something in order to do something else that's legal. If the final act is illegal, like killing someone, then you can't, if you're caught driving to their house with a gun loaded and a letter saying, I'm going to go kill that person, you can be arrested for, for the driving act because it's it's uh, it's an instrumental act whose sole purpose is to perform a criminal act and you can be arrested for attempted murder or something like that. But if the final act is legal, you know, like going over to your friend's house to have a cup of tea, it's very unusual to make it legal to walk there, but illegal to pay someone to drive you there. <laughs> that's just not usually how the law works. But that's currently the situation we're in. And the Concord said to Parliament in 2018, you guys have two years to fix the mess. It's now 2022, which is four years later, not two years later, or mm. you know, three and a half years. But Parliament runs according to its own timetable, even when the Constitutional Court tells it to hurry up. And, and, and Parliament has now finally got a bit of a bill going on the personal, uh, the private use of cannabis act, something like that. For the listeners, it's good to know that the deadline for public submissions is Friday. Uh, so if you want to use the DRSA platform to, to write your own submission, go, go for it quickly. Um, I strongly encourage that. I am making a submission on behalf of SAI, which is a new agricultural union. And the thrust of it is that uh, really the, the bill right now is a mess and it needs to be cleared up to to allow people to use it, to grow it, to buy it, to sell it, and for it to be regulated in a smart way so that uh, so that we we just clean up this industry and take a step forward into the future. Sounds, sounds fantastic. And I, I definitely do encourage uh, participation or public participation on on this bill as it is vitally, vitally important. Um, but there are, there are a few controversial uh, social issues. I mean, there's... The, the certain groups of society, religious groups, say Rastafarians, who've who've been granted uh, the freedom to use use the I should I say the herb? I'm not going to call it the drug anymore. Could they use the herb for for religious purposes for for quite some time? How how has that influenced um, this this bill proposal, or if at all? Yeah, so I mean, it's interesting because the, the the High Court and the Constitutional Court decision, they actually faced a question about religious exemptions, and they said, no, we're not going to give religious exemptions. But religious exemptions were sm smuggled in around that. The case where they where they decriminalized possession and consumption uh, for adults, couldn't remember only for adults. That case was on the on the grounds of right to privacy. Now, what this bill does is it does re resurrect the religious um, argument. But it does so in a really weird way. What it says is a religious or cultural leader uh, can go to the minister and get certified as a leader. And uh, they have to show that they've got like the ID numbers of all of their members and ways of verifying that there are members. So it automatically becomes this really weird surveillance thing. And then it says, I'm going to say this in normal language, not legal language, but it says that that person, if he's certified or she is certified by the minister, can then provide or supply marijuana to the members, but can't be paid for that supply per occasion, and instead has to be paid on a contractual basis, effectively. <laughs> so that's just part of this this broader thing that the that the bill keeps doing, 
which is effectively to say, you know what, if you want to smoke marijuana, you're going to have to do it by the plant load. Like, mm. or you can be illegal. If you want to smoke one joint on your birthday, once a year, to let your hair down, to have something that's like a little bit different to just having a drink or whatever, then you have to grow an entire plant to get one joint. And a plant can make like 500 joints. And then the extra joints, you either have to smoke them, which is increasing your consumption compared to what you'd want to do, or you have to throw them away, which is super wasteful, or you have to give them away, which means a whole bunch of people are end up going to getting, uh, getting that marijuana who might otherwise not have gotten it, which increases consumption, which is the opposite of what the bull is trying to do. So one option is you can grow your entire plant just to have one joint a month or something like that, or you join a religion where you pay a monthly membership fee <laughs> so yes. that so that you can get a single joint. It's completely crazy. Um, some people might end up doing it and then, as I was suggesting, you know, just end up smoking weed every day, which is mm. not great, which is actually quite bad. Or, it, it, as far as the medical evidence presented to the court goes, or, or they're just going to break the law and go down to the local whomever and buy that single joint. So the law right now is really stupid because it's basically saying if you want to do this, you have to, you know, you have to be like a committed alcoholic. It's as if the law was to say you can't buy a beer or a bottle of wine. You must buy four cases minimum. Or yeah. you must go to the effort of growing your own entire, you know, crop of 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 um barley and, and yeast and wheat and, 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 and you must then distill 40 liters, 50 liters of whiskey uh, if you want to have a single tot. It's a, it's a really stupid system mm -hmm. and, and we're trying to argue that if you legalize it, then you allow people to buy discrete individual amounts, not get into the whole growing game, which some people can't even do mm. and, in, and, and, and thereby manage how much they 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 want or they consume, and at the same time, doing that allows the industry to clean itself up to get instead of the supply chains being managed by sort of very shady, largely taxi industry chaps, sometimes with with violence in terms of turf wars at the end of the supply chain. You can have a much cleaner supply chain, which means much more of the rewards go to the growers, rural poor farmers, and, and that'd be really good. Uh, we've got the government promising 130,000 jobs out of legalizing the industry. I think that's an overestimate. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's a serious overestimate, but we ran the numbers from how many jobs there are in America compared to how large their market is, wound that back to how large our market is expected to be, something like 7 billion rand. And we expect that you really could get something like 50, 60,000 jobs, uh, new clean jobs out of this. Uh, and that's without the big win, which would be if we legalize now quickly and efficiently, we not only clean up the domestic industry and get rid of the criminal elements who, who don't care about selling to children and don't care about breaking the rules of the road or, or property rights or even killing people and replacing them with serious law-abiding people that want to do this the right way, that want to run it like the, like the cleanest part, you know, like the liquor industry. Where, where it's a safe and clean thing and, uh, and it really can be made difficult for, for kids to go and buy booze. You not only get that, 
you also get the opportunity to join the global race to 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 have marijuana as an export product and that's really i think a pretty strong win we are currently being sort of outpaced by Lesotho in terms of exporting medical marijuana to EU countries uh, because they already started the decriminalization process before us and because, and this is really important to the theme of your show, because they've been doing it through legislation rather than through court action. We've got the courts deciding things and parliament dragging its heels. Things are so much better when parliament decides things. If parliament can get its act together, we can be exporting marijuana to EU markets, to US markets, we have different genetics that we can protect and develop and expand on. We've got good environmental conditions. So much of the foothills of the Drakensberg, KZN, parts of the plateau, Nupumalanga and Napopa are really, really ideal growing conditions. It's a good cash crop that can work at very small scales that can also be scaled up. Simple growers can tap into complicated supply chains. If we manage to grow this into an export product, then we really do start going from 60,000 jobs to 130,000 jobs and beyond. And in, in, in South Africa, growing jobs really is, an, is, an, is the number one issue, um, according to every poll commissioned by the Institute of Race Relations. So to my mind, it's not a matter of if we're going to legalize it, uh, because we've already decriminalized the, the growing and the consumption. I think legalizing the trade in between is inevitable. It's just a matter of logical principle that you, if you're allowed to do something, uh, you should be allowed to buy it. But well, if we do, if we legalize more. it quickly, mm. then I think we can we can get a huge jobs boon out of it. On the other hand, if the legislation stays as it is, where it says it literally says commercial activities in cannabis are hereby authorized, and then the next section says, but actually it's only really going to be authorized. The next time Parliament passes new legislation, which is probably going to take five years, so it like gives it with one hand and takes it away with the other hand. We, if, 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 if that is not taken away, and that's a huge part of what we're opposing, that that complete oxymoron, that madness. If that's not taken away, we're going to sit in a situation where by the time we clean up the marijuana business, there's going to be two or three major players that that keep dominating in terms of the medical side. And there's going to be no growth in the export sector. And we're going to become net consumers, which kind of is the doffest place to be. No jobs, more stoned people. I mean, it's it's kind of like fun in the sun, but it's really not solving the, the existential crisis in, in any kind of important significance. Yeah, without, without a doubt. And it, as we know, um, too much fun ends in disaster, as always, in, with yeah. recre recreational use. And... Uh, on, on that point, it's which would you say is the more important market? There, there's obviously a huge attraction towards recre recreational use, but what we mustn't overlook is the medicinal use of of cannabis and cannabis products, CBD oils, and and so on. What what kind of percentage do is more based on medicinal use versus uh, recreational use, and is there any difference catered for in this legislation? So I, I'm not sure what the ratio is in South Africa in, in terms of people, but I will tell you how, how it works in the, in the proposed bill. The proposed bill says that if you want to self-medicate for a physical or mental ailment, you can go ahead and do it, but you can't buy 
your marijuana. You've got to grow it yourself. Now, this is really, really stupid again. So, and it's actually taking a step backwards because at the moment, if you're a cancer patient and your doctor thinks that this, that a little bit of cannabis drops are going to soothe the pain or you're a 90-year-old lady, I know a 90-year-old lady who has just got chronic eczema and the only thing that works, I mean, for years and years and years, they've been trying different things. You know what really works? Is rubbing in to her skin a, 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 man, a marijuana tincture ointment, okay? And her doctors prescribe that and that's fine. The, the bill in its current wording would literally make that illegal because mm-hmm. no one can buy or sell no one, as, as, the, as the bill says, can exchange with consideration uh, per occasion uh, any cannabis product, cannabis or any cannabis product. So it's literally making it illegal. Uh, I, I think that's totally got to be opposed. And instead what it's saying is you're, you're on your last legs. You're dying of cancer. Go grow it yourself. Go plant a seed. Go water it. Go monitor it. Go make sure there's no pests eating it. Make sure the 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 bunny rabbits or the goats or the you know the 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 dog isn't making whizzing on it or <laughs> man go harvest it yourself. You know there's there's kind of like no respect for the fact that farming or growing or cultivating or gardening is an actual job. It, there's really no respect for that, that there's a skill, that there's expertise, that there's time and effort that gets put into it, that you need space that a lot of poor city dwellers don't have there or, or even rich city dwellers. You know, there's there's kind of just this idea that you can be really mentally in a very bad space and a doctor's, you know, prescribing this. It's not a typical uh, prescription for, for, for mental issues because of the potential, because it's a psychoactive drug and and can uh, trigger uh, paranoid events and schizophrenic events. Uh, but you know, if you if you're really mentally down, or more likely, if you're physically, you know, incontinent and catatonic, the law says, "Well, well, get up and grow it yourself." It's it's absurd what it's doing to the medical side of things, mm. uh, and and it comes down to the same basic point, which is which is kind of why Sai which is you know kind of why an agricultural business uh, uh, union a, a pretty recent agricultural union is is making the submission is because there are people there are simple family farmers you know of all races who just want to grow a bit of a cash crop who don't want to sell it to criminals who're going to sell it to kids who want to sell it to responsible adults who are going to have the privacy to make the decision to do it themselves and and they're being blocked from doing any of that. And unfortunately, even if you unwind the, the, the sort of medical way that it's being treated now, in terms of you're not allowed to buy it, there's the other problem of the law incentivizing people to classify themselves as having a medical ailment in order to legally consume marijuana, which I also think is crazy. You know, the on the recreational side, if you want to smoke a joint once in a while, it, it literally is your right. Literally, the medical evidence says that it, that's not a bad thing. Smoking potent stuff, smoking very, very potent stuff, smoking regularly, very dangerous. And for some people who have got a psychological disposition, even smoking a little bit is very dangerous. But for, for a lot of people, it's going to be totally fine. And no one should be incentivized to you know, do a deal with their doctor 
to be able to partake in this because it, it kind of muddies the water for doctors that really are seriously trying to consider whether patients absolutely need this. And, and, and sometimes that's the case. And those two issues should just be kept separate. But as long as the legal trade is blocked, they're not going to be separate in practice. And at the moment, in theory, they're not even going to allow the, the legal trade in medical marijuana because of the, the block that they're putting on cultivation. Absolutely. So it is. It is rather concerning um, with several issues within within this proposed bill, and and the amendments. And we're chatting to Gabriel Krauss from the Institute of Race Relations on the Cannabis for Private Purposes bill, and we'll be right back after this quick smoke break. You are listening to Dear Parliament with Rob Hutchinson, because democracy doesn't just happen. Gabriel, back to you. Uh, just putting out my, my joint here on the side here. Uh, uh, getting into the show. <laughs> my terrible problem is I actually have a cough. So I sound constantly like I've just exhaled a huge plume of smoke. <laughs> of course. We don't know if you really are, but it could be a, a rather big cloud of mystery surrounding this whole show. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> so anyway, Gary, you mentioned some rather interesting things there about this new um, amendment, which is actually an amendment to an, a previous amendment to the to the proposed legislation. And I was under the understanding that these issues had been addressed already. The, the, these issues around uh, selling and distribution and you know, purchasing and the trade thereof, but clearly, clearly they aren't. You would think that. This has been such a long, long process, a four-year process. Government would have actually addressed this in conjunction with several civil society organisations that are that are fighting for this legislation. Why, why such a delay? I mean, it, it seems to be a common, common thing throughout government. We've seen delays on other bills, and this one just brings everything into highlight. Yeah, man, I don't know, and but it really is very tempting to say that whoever's in charge of this process must be an outrageous stoner who is just <laughs> so goofed that they have no idea whether it's Monday or Sunday. Like I said, I mean, the, the Concord gave the order to remedy the constitutional defects in September 2018, gave 24 months, which is a hell of a long time. Mm. It's now been, I think, 44 months, I calculated. And literally, Section 1A, you know, the first thing that the that the latest amendments to the bill say is that one of the purposes is to promote and provide for commercial activities of, in cannabis. Section 1A1 says this bill hereby authorizes commercial activities in cannabis subject to future legislation. And, and that's just standard. I mean, you know, you're authorizing it now. That doesn't mean legislation can't happen later, which, you know, changes something about the licensing process or, you know, one of the things we recommend is that there should be some quality test for the products. If you're a grower, you should send a little sample to a lab to make sure that, I mean, partly I think that, I don't know, but, but maybe people shouldn't be selling the most potent stuff that you can possibly sell. Like you're not allowed to sell 100% alcohol. Uh, there are limits on whiskey and beer and wine. And maybe a similar kind of thing could apply to, to marijuana so that people don't get completely knocked out by this sort of new age American hyper intense stuff and instead just have a more casual experience. I don't know, but you know, there's something to consider. Uh, but instead of, which is to say, you know, future legislation can always come in to, to tinker on the edges. 
but sec, but sec, section 181 says nevertheless it's hereby approved that you can have commu- uh, commercial activities and then section 182 seems to say okay cancel that the approval will only take place at a later date when parliament passes some future bill or act it's yeah. it's literally oxymoronic i think that dudes must be stoned or else they must just be part of the general operations of parliament under under this government which which mm-hmm. doesn't seem to be very urgent which doesn't seem to take very seriously the desperate situation that most south africans find themselves in i think this is a fringe issue in a lot of ways because yeah. the jobs issue is the biggest one in the country and this is not going to you know we've lost 1.9 million jobs we really need to add at least 10 million jobs in the next 25 years, you know, in the, in the next full generation mm. in order to get South Africa on its feet. This is this is going to be a relative drop in the bucket. But insofar as it could help with a jobs issue, insofar as it could change things, I don't know if you saw that clip of, of students in a public school just smoking marijuana yeah, at school I in did. uniform. Like, that's unacceptable. That is not good. We need to be... <laughs> cleaning up the adult side of the industry, getting it out of the hands of kids, refocusing the police force, which is literally the least trusted institution in terms of government institutions on ISS polling, uh, getting the police force to focus on chasing hard and 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 terribly destructive drug, drugs, starting with Nyeope, chasing hardened criminal syndicates, getting rid of uh, illegal guns, getting rid of murderers and rapists, locking them up. You know, there's really a lot of work to do here. And the fact that Parliament has a committee that's been dedicated to nothing else but but passing this legislation for the last four years, that they still haven't managed to do it. And at this stage in the game, literally, they are contradicting themselves within two sentences mm-hmm. of the bill, I think is a firm indication that that the country would be probably be better run if, 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 if some like 19-year-old stoners were in charge. And... <laughs> And and it would not be well run in that situation. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Which I suppose brings into into question the whole issue around licensing as well. You know, there's there's a lot of controversy about who's going to be awarded the the licenses to grow on a mass scale and who will have shares in that and what the costs will be involved and will government have a have a hand in that as well. Yeah. I'm not sure if any of this is covered in, in the legislation at all. Well, because of the way that it's so contradictory, because of the contradictions in its framing, that wherever you have contradictions or vagueness in law, the reason you should really worry about that as a citizen is that means the matter is going to be resolved by a minister or an official. Okay, the whole the whole idea of the rule of law. South Africans don't always get this. People around the world don't always get this. The rule of law was a huge development, not because. Uh, we hadn't already had rules written down and uh, a theory according to which, you know, we live by the rules. No. The problem always was that the rules could be vague, that they weren't collated and tabulated and, and forced through a system of reason to be consistent and transparent. When you've got vague, uh, you know, tea leaf reading rules, what that always ends up meaning is that some official gets to decide according to his or her own whims. Mm. That's the problem. So exactly. where you have these discretionary, sorry, where you have these contradictory or vague rules and the entire bill is riddled with them, 
what that's going to end up meaning is that in the implementation, an official is going to say, look, I know it doesn't really make sense, but I'll make your problems go away. Just by the way, can you make my problems go away? My problem is that my bank account is 25,000 <laughs> Rand less than it's supposed to be. So if you can just make that problem go away, I can make your problem go away. That is, that's how it works in the Department of Rural Development and Land Reform. I have spent months in KZN and uh, in Pumalanga, Eastern Cape, dealing with small-scale black farmers who are part of the sort of redistribution and uh, programs who have to go and buy bottles of whiskey, sell their last goat in order to go and bribe the official in order to get the grain or tractor access or whatever that they are theoretically promised. And when I go and read up on the rules, I can see why they have to pay the bribe because the rules are so vague and conflicting and contradictory uh, that they can never appeal to the rules. Yeah, absolutely. So that's Gabriel, just, it's been a wonderful time talking to you as usual. And I think we should actually continue this this chat at a, at a later stage once this bill and the public participation process has actually completed. I think there's so much to unpack in, in this. It would be a travesty not to cover it all. But thank you. Thank you for shedding some light on this. It's been absolutely wonderful. And really in, enjoy your day and have a have a quick smoke break for the rest <laughs> of us. <laughs> what a pleasure, man. It's so, it's so good to be with you. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you, Gabriel. And that brings us to the end of the Dear Parliament show today. And it certainly has been an enlightening and hopefully we'll end this on a high note as well. And if you missed the show, make sure to catch up with the podcast, which is available on Spotify and on our website at www.kaifm.com. Dot com. And that's all for now. And remember to stay democratically engaged, active and responsible. Ciao for now.